Welcome to Gil Reads Comics, where every week we recap and review your favorite comics. I'm Gil, and this week there's no new issue of Amazing Spider-Man. There isn't an issue of Batman, so typically that would mean that Adam and I would take a look at a different comic to review this week. But I decided to give Adam the week off. He's a very busy guy. So instead, what we'll be doing is I recently read all five issues and a few of the tie-in comics for the recently completed event from Marvel, Spider-Geddon. What I've done is I have recorded about a 45-minute complete recap of that whole event with with music. It's done in a sort of dramatized way. In the next two or three days, I'll have a YouTube video out that includes images from the comic as I tell the story of that event. What I'll share with you today is the audio from that. You don't need to watch the video. I, I included enough description that you can totally enjoy it as purely an audio experience. Uh, but if you're interested in that video, you can hold off and wait a couple days. But otherwise, sit back and enjoy Marvel's Spider-Geddon. In the multiverse of Marvel, there are many worlds containing different versions of Spider-Man. Each of them carry the totem of the spider and are therefore targets of the inheritors, vampire-like creatures who feed on these totems. These inheritors were previously defeated by a spider army and stranded on a radioactive wasteland of a world. The spider totems will have to once again team up as the inheritors return in Spider-Geddon. We begin with Spider-Geddon, Issue 1. The story begins on Earth-616, the primary Marvel Universe. Miles Morales, a younger Spider-Man, is fighting the Volturians. Miles easily gains the upper hand, and with no options left, one of his foes points a gun at an innocent bystander, forcing Miles to change tactics. He offers to give himself up in exchange for letting the civilians go. When the Volturian fires his weapon, Spider-Man is relieved to find that his webs successfully stop the bullets, something he only hoped would work. Suddenly, a portal opens above Miles, and out of it flies six other Spider-People, and a heroic female version of Doc Ock. Spider-Gwen explains to Miles that someone is using tech left behind by the Inheritors. Activating this tech risks opening a window for the Inheritors to escape from the world they're trapped on. That someone is the Superior Octopus, a moniker Doc Ock has adopted in his current form, inhabiting a cloned body of Peter Parker. At the moment, he is busy protecting his city, San Francisco, from Count Nefaria, when Nefaria corners Doc Ock by threatening civilians the superior octopus gains the upper hand by revealing he has octobots monitoring members of Nefaria's family and they will die if Nefaria doesn't surrender. Nefaria laughs as he believes this threat confirms Doc Ock is still a villain just playing hero for the moment. Nefaria leaves and warns that the role of hero plays counter to Doc Ock's fundamental nature. 
Doc Ock returns to the lab where he is using inheritor technology to create additional clones to which he can transfer his consciousness if he dies, effectively becoming immortal. Meanwhile, our spider crew with Miles teleport to just outside Doc Ock's lab and make their way in. Miles wonders if they can reason with Doc Ock, and Octavia Otto is behind the idea. However, there's a risk he won't listen to them, and no one knows how to get a hold of Doc Ock anyway. So they set themselves to destroying all of the cloning equipment, and they'll try to reason with Doc Ock if they see him. Before they have a chance to do so, Doc Ock, the superior octopus, appears and yells, You invade my home! Try to destroy the work of many months. The arrogance, the temerity. I've fought beside some of you. In recognition of that, I give you one opportunity to retreat. Remain and die. Miles is first to respond. Doc, we're not your enemies. You've got to listen to us. Those cloning tubes are dangerous. Spider-Gwen adds. If we don't wreck them now, the inheritors can use them to come back. Doc Ock won't listen to any of it explaining that he is never wrong and adds that if it were up to him, they would have killed the inheritors when they had the chance, rather than trapping them in another world. So if anything goes wrong, it's not his fault. Blame lies with the rest of them. The Spider Gang Attack Spider UK tears off one of the superior octopus's arms, while Octavia starts working on the equipment and sees that it's too late. The Inheritors have already begun using the reactivated technology so they may return to our world. Spider-Man Noir wastes no time as he dives to the cloning vats, guns drawn, ready to destroy them. But before he can act, one of the Inheritors, Morlin, returns through one of the cloned bodies. His hand crashes through the vat and grabs Spider-Man Noir by his skull. Moreland begins to feed off Spider-Man Noir's energy, giving him strength. Strength enough to withstand the bullets uselessly fired into him. Spider-Man Noir is unable to fight back as his energy is drained and he dies. With no time to mourn, the rest of the Spider-Army quickly take action. Spider-UK leads the attack, shouting that with all of them against Moreland, they stand a chance. The superior octopus adds that Morlin should be relatively weak, having consumed only one life since his return. He recommends that Spider-UK take Morlin down while the rest of them strike from a distance. UK strikes at Morlin as he retorts, I don't take orders from you, Octavius. This mess is your doing, but I can't fault your strategy. Everyone keep back. I'll put an end to this devil. He appears to have the upper hand until another inheritor, Verna, appears and breaks Spider-UK's neck, racking up another casualty in this battle. Before anyone has a chance to react, a third inheritor, Genix, appears. He attempts to feed on the superior octopus, but tosses him aside, because Doc Ock does not carry the spider totem, as Genix puts it, Not a totem at all. A patchwork. A pretender. Utterly useless. With three of the inheritors reunited, they begin to set a plan in motion. Morlin will seek out Peter Parker and destroy him as vengeance for their previous battle. Genix and Verna will stay, 
to crush the remaining spider people, then reunite with the rest of their family and make Earth 616 their new homeworld. Issue 2 begins with the Spider Gang leaping into action, trying to stop Genix and Verna before they can resurrect the rest of their family. For some of them, this is personal. Spider Woman, or Mayday, Peter Parker's daughter from another world, lost her father to the Inheritors. Genix begins work on the equipment to start the resurrection of the rest of their family, while Verna goes on the attack. The Spider Army realize they all have to attack at once, but Gwen doesn't think it'll be enough. She points out that as a supervillain, Doc Ock's hideout must have a self-destruct function. He is offended by the term villain and replies, I am a hero, a superior hero to any of you Cretans. Gwen presses him and shouts, Just answer the question. Ock replies, Of course I do. At Doc's request, Octavia activates the self-destruct function. As Miles is grabbed by Verna, he shouts that they cannot allow any Inheritor to escape, as even one of them is too dangerous to be out in the wild. Gwen attacks Verna, freeing Miles, and tells the others to leave while she keeps Verna and Genix busy with a fight. Her plan is to use her dimensional wristwatch to teleport just before destruction. Her spider friends hesitantly leave her behind as the countdown begins. Attention! Self-destruct in 30 seconds. Spider-Ham comments on this. You gave it a countdown voice? And people call me cartoony. Meanwhile, Verna gets a hold of Spider-Gwen and attempts to extract her energy. Fortunately, Gwen's costume is actually a symbiote creature and defends against Verna's attempt at feeding. Genix tells Verna that the cloning is going well, but with less than 10 seconds to self-destruct, he leaves the machinery and grabs a dimensional wristwatch. He tells Verna they have to go, and perhaps they can use the watch to escape. Verna grabs Gwen's arm, seemingly going after her watch. From outside, we see the building explode. The rest of the team is shocked, especially Miles, who shouts... Gwen! Spider-Woman tries to reassure Miles as, with a hand on his shoulder, she says, She's not dead. She can't be. Maybe she jumped somewhere else. Miles cuts her off. No, 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 no. Then where is she? She'd have jumped back by now. Gwen! Always level-headed, the superior octopus speaks up. Yes, it's all very sad. I am more concerned with the Inheritors. But surely even those monsters couldn't survive such a blast. However, upon scanning the city with his Octobots, Doc Ock sees that the Inheritors not only survived, but also successfully resurrected their siblings. Verna orders the rest of the Inheritors to establish a base of operations, while she sets off to retrieve a crystal containing the essence of their father. Solace. During all this, Miles notices that Verna is wearing Gwen's watch, meaning she was likely killed in the blast. Spider-Punk tells them they'll have to mourn later, and Gwen would want them to keep fighting. Spider-Woman, enraged, wants to go and fight the Inheritors now, but Spider-Man points out that they'd be slaughtered if they tried. 
they'll need help. The superior octopus agrees, and explains that with his lab destroyed, the inheritors will have to take time to build new cloning vats. The spider gang can use that time to recruit more help from other spider people in the multiverse. They travel to Loomworld, Earth-001, where Karn oversees the web of life and destiny, the source of power for all spider totems and the web which connects all worlds in the multiverse. Karn, a sibling of the inheritors who has turned to the side of good, shares that he saw his family is now free, but reassures that until their father, Solus, is returned, they can still be defeated. Miles explains to Karn, We need help. We need Peter Parker. He quarterbacked us last time, and we won. And Jessica Drew, we need people with experience. People who know how to handle this kind of stuff. Superior Octopus agrees they need reinforcements, but not from the, as he puts it, imbeciles that Miles mentioned. Doc Ock explains that because of Parker's morality, they attempted to imprison the Inheritors rather than simply exterminating them. When Spider-Ham calls out Octopus for trying to shift blame from himself to others, he's surprised to find that his friend, Spider-Punk, is on Doc Ock's side. Spider-Punk points out that if they'd listened to Octopus last time, and killed the Inheritors, UK and Noir would still be alive. So the Superior Octopus, along with Spider-Punk and Octavia, set off to recruit like-minded spider people who will have no qualms with executing their foes, while Miles, Ham, and Spider-Woman leave to find Peter Parker and others who might help. The moment they leave... Karn is surprised by a visit from his sister Verna. Karn prepares for a fight to the death. Before traversing the multiverse for more antiheroes, Doc Ock makes a pit stop at his lab. With his octopus suit damaged from the earlier battle, he picks up an old costume and reclaims the mantle of the Superior Spider-Man. Then he begins recruiting those he believes will be willing to kill. This includes Spider-Man from Earth-1048, featured in the PlayStation 4 video game, and Kane, a clone of Peter Parker from Earth-616. Back on Loomworld, Karn and Verna are locked in battle. However, Verna quickly gets the upper hand and kills Karn, extracting his life energy. This was only made possible because guarding the web of life and destiny, Karn took on the mantle of Master Weaver, making him a spider totem from which Verna could feed. Verna's next destination will be the radioactive planet that her and the other inheritors were previously imprisoned on. This is where she will find the crystal containing the essence of her father, Solus. Meanwhile, Spider-Gwen apparently alive, finds herself on another world, Earth-3109. She doesn't know where she is, and notices she doesn't have her dimensional watch, meaning, for all intents and purposes, she is stranded. Issue 3 begins with the superior Spider-Man continuing his journey to recruit Spider-People with a willingness to kill. 
He is joined by PlayStation 4 Spider-Man as they arrive on an Earth, which looks like a Godzilla movie. The ground shakes as Leopardon, a giant robot piloted by the Spider-Man of this Earth, punches an equally giant one-eyed monster. You've seen the Leopardon before if you were a fan of the Spider-Man television show which aired in Japan between 1978 and 1979. The Superior Spider-Man and PS4 Spider-Man teleport into the robot where they're immediately recognized by its pilot, Takuya. PlayStation 4 Peter Parker clearly shares our Parker's sense of humor as he introduces himself. Hey, nice to meet you. I'm Spider-Man, which probably isn't very helpful since we're all Spider-Man. Takuya quickly dispatches the monster so they can be on their way. Meanwhile, we see Miles in Mumbai of Earth 50101, explaining to Pavitur Prabhakar that the spider forces have been split between him and Doc Ock. Although Pavitur thinks it's insane that they're going to fight the Inheritors while divided like this, he understands the need to find a way to win with a minimal body count, and he joins Miles. Miles takes Spider-Man India to their base of operations, where we see Miles has been busy gathering other spider allies, and has taken on a leadership role. He explains to the team that they must stop the Inheritors before they build cloning vats. If the Inheritors are successful, they will be able to fight without fear of death, as their consciousness will always be able to transfer into freshly cloned bodies. Spider-Ham chimes in to remind everyone that they also need to deal with Doc Ock's team, and Miles agrees, but believes they should still try to collaborate as much as possible. An older, wiser Peter Parker, who fights crime with his partner, a super-powered Mary Jane, gives a quick speech on the importance of teamwork. Spider-Ham responds with a wry retort. Great! Inspirational! Put it up on a sign and I'll slap it on the way out the door. Let's just not forget half of that team is a bunch of bloodthirsty psychos. This team of bloodthirsty psychos is currently aboard the Leopardon, where the superior Spider-Man, or Doc Ock, gives a speech laying out their plan to kill the Inheritors. During this, we learn that Kane, another clone from Peter Parker, is currently leading a team on the radioactive planet to stop Verna from retrieving the Solus Crystal. Included on this team is Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman of the Primary Earth 616. Octavia lets Doc Ock know they have a visitor who would like to join the team, the Scarlet Spider or Ben Riley, Doc Ock is resistant as he knows Ben Riley as the Jackal, an insane, villainous clone of Peter Parker. He makes this known as he shouts, I will never require the aid of a madman like you. Ben replies, okay, because as Doc Ock you only teamed up with real stable folks. Octavius reluctantly agrees to ally with the Scarlet Spider because as Jackal, Ben Riley built the very cloning equipment that the Inheritors will use. This makes him helpful to the cause, and Ben Riley appeals to Doc Ock by relating to him. I think you of all people could appreciate a guy with a checkered past trying to make amends. 
The checkered past Ben Riley refers to is his time as a villain. Years ago, after sacrificing himself to save Peter Parker, Ben's remains were collected by scientist Miles Warren, the original jackal. In an attempt to improve cloning technology, Warren experimented on Ben, killing and resurrecting him 27 times. Eventually, Ben broke free, but his mind had been destroyed by the trauma of repeated deaths. He took on the mantle of Jackal, and with a pathological fear of death, tried to rid the world of it entirely using amoral tactics. Ben has since stabilized and returned to his heroic persona of the Scarlet Spider. They suddenly receive a message from Miles Morales, who explains that their team is going to attack New You, the Jackal's lab containing the cloning equipment. Doc Ock tells Miles that attacking now would be suicide, so they're on their own. After the transmission ends, Spider-Punk protests Doc Ock's decision. Wait, we're going to let them take on the Inheritors alone? When Doc Ock doesn't change his mind, PS4 Spider-Man chimes in. But, um, weren't you just saying how important the cloning tubes are? Ben Riley adds, I do know the building inside and out. The superior Spider-Man doesn't budge, leaving Miles and his team to fend for themselves in this battle. At New U, the Inheritors have successfully cloned a new body for their father. Once Werner returns with the crystal containing his essence, the body will no longer be an empty vessel, but will become the fully resurrected Solus. Bora, one of the Inheritor sisters, expresses her frustration at their current lack of action. We cower here like rats, in fear of the pathetic spider totems. Why? Genix, currently working the equipment, explains, Because I haven't finished creating body banks for us, that we may fight without fear of permanent death. It's all taking far longer than I expected. This technology is most vexing. Unseen by the Inheritors, Spider-Ham is above them, performing recon. He confirms to Miles that the cloning tech isn't ready yet, meaning they still have a chance to stop the Inheritors. With that confirmation, Miles tells everyone to go back through the portal and return home. They've placed explosives on the main support beams of the building. The plan is for Miles to set them off just before joining them in escape. The whole building will come down, taking the cloning tech with it. Before the spider team can head home, they're spotted and attacked by Bora. Suddenly, they're in a full-blown battle with the Inheritors. In the action, the detonator is destroyed, meaning Miles can't set off the explosives. Miles is attacked and asks SPDR to detonate the charges from her suit. In the heat of battle, she responds, But... We can't get clear in time. I'd be killing us all. As the balance of the battle is decidedly tipped in favor of the Inheritors, the team agrees they're as good as dead anyway. And as Silk puts it, might as well take them with us. Before the charges are detonated, the Leopardon stabs into the building, creating an opening for Spider-Punk and his team of reinforcements to join the attack. The bombs are defused, but Ben Riley is able to deactivate the cloning equipment before the team retreats onto the giant robot 
and flies off. On the Leopardon, the team recuperates, and a conversation takes place between two of the creepier spider totems from Doc Ock's faction. A version of Norman Osborn with six arms of Earth 44145, and Spider-Man of Earth 11580, thousands of spiders with a hive mind believing themselves to be Peter Parker. Norman Osborn has a plan to wall off this dimension, let the inheritors have this world, but prevent them from taking any others. Thousands of spiders, Spider-Man, points out, Hmm, you do realize they'd kill everyone here. Osborn smiles and replies, Yes, there's a term for that. Acceptable losses. I see you're intrigued. Let's keep this conversation between us, shall we? In the tie-in comic, Spider-Force Issue 3, Kane and his team are struggling to stop Verna from obtaining the crystal containing the essence of Solus. They are unsuccessful. Verna obtains the crystal and hands it to Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman. She then activates Jessica's watch, teleporting her to the Inheritor's home base, where we find her at the start of Issue 4 of Spider-Geddon. Spider-Woman has appeared in front of the Inheritors. They are pleased, as Brick says, The crystal containing the essence of Father Solus. And Bora adds, Delivered in an edible package. Deimos begins to feed on Jessica, but is disappointed to learn that she gained her power from a radiation blast, making her poison to the Inheritors. Genix orders them to place Jessica in stasis, so she can be studied. If they can acquire her immunity to radiation, their greatest weakness will be eliminated. Genix places the crystal in the clone vat containing Solus's empty vessel of a body, and just like that, he is resurrected. In his first moments of restored life, Solus exclaims, Ha ha ha! I live! I live! You've done well, my children! And your reward shall be great indeed. A feast like never before. A new homeworld. This world. And such magnificent vengeance that will put all past slaughters to shame. Central Park, Earth 13. This is where the previous Spider Army and Herder's War took place. In this battle, Solus single-handedly killed one of the most powerful Spider-Men ever one who carried the mantle of Captain Universe. This is a mantle held by rare individuals possessed by the Unipower, something which emanates from the extra-dimensional Enigma Force. Superior Spider-Man plans to analyze the Enigma Force remaining in the area in hopes that it can help them locate a cosmically-powered being in their world. Before they can make much progress, Spider-Punk calls them back to the Leopardon for some bad news. Aboard the Leopardon, the Spider-Gang learns that Solus has been resurrected. From this, the Superior Spider-Man deduces that Kane must have failed in his attempt to stop Verna from obtaining the crystal, meaning Kane's team is likely dead. Norman Osborn makes his displeasure known. This is untenable. They're gaining soldiers as we lose them. 
We need to bring in as many bodies as we can, as fast as we can, then attack with precision. The superior Spider-Man has had enough and shouts at Osborn. The aged Parker was right. You are a cancer in this body. You are not wanted here. And Osborn retorts, You think they accept you as leader, you deluded, arrogant clown. Osborn is proven wrong as the rest of the Spider Gang side with Doc Ock. Osborn refuses to join them and decides he'll head back to his home world and work on a real solution. He takes his ally, the thousands of spiders Spider-Man, with him. When they arrive, this hive mind Spider-Man asks, This is your home world? Osborn cryptically replies, No, no, it's somewhere much more interesting. At a crossroads, the leaders of the two spider factions debate the best path forward. They agree they'll need to attack the Inheritors again as soon as possible. Miles sent his team to recruit more spider people, but Doc Ock thinks it's too late for that, and they need to instead quickly find the Inheritors' weaknesses and exploit them. Miles suggests a compromise. Let a few of them continue recruiting while the others put their heads together for a planning session. In rare form, the Superior Spider-Man agrees to the compromise and compliments Miles. You show maturity beyond your years, young man. Very well. We shall cast the die together. Miles shakes Doc Ock's hand, replying, and then we'll talk about retiring your catchphrase. Making reference to Doc Ock's often used catchphrase, the die is cast. Meanwhile, Norman Osborn explains to his ally that he's taken them to Loom World, home of the web of life and destiny. He reveals that they are here to destroy the web, making interdimensional travel near impossible, trapping the inheritors and the other spider totems on Earth 616. Norman enters the web so he can return to his home world, while his ally splits into many spiders so he can pay visit to all worlds in the multiverse. Before leaving, Norman clicks the detonator and blows up the web. Back on the Leopardon, Miles and a few others scan the multiverse for allies. Spider-Punk sees one potential candidate and comments, So on this world, the spider totem is a giant red T-Rex. What's not to love? On the other side of the Leopardon, Superior Spider-Man and his group take stock of their situation. Doc Ock explains that the Inheritors are trying to get the clone tech working. They're making progress, but don't yet have the ability to continuously resurrect. He then announces that they will attack in six hours. Deliberations are interrupted when all of their dimensional wristwatches experience an energy surge in response to the web's destruction on Loomworld. Doc Ock quickly surmises that Norman destroyed the web. PlayStation 4 Spider-Man wonders how he could possibly know this, and the superior Spider-Man explains. Because it makes sense, from the perspective of cold logic, a psychopath would see it as a small sacrifice, relatively speaking, to save many more. And now, we're lost. Miles tries to motivate the team, explaining how they have some of the smartest minds in any universe here. They can solve this. 
Then, Miles and the rest notice that Superior Spider-Man and Scarlet Spider have disappeared. They've gone to New You to take on the Inheritors alone. Once inside, Doc Ock asks the Scarlet Spider if he'll truly do what he must, if he'll truly fight for good and not regress to his previous villainous ways. The Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley, explains that he knows he was off last time they met, but he's trying to turn things around. This is his chance to make things right. Then, he turns his back to the Superior Spider-Man. Doc Ock attacks Ben, knocking him unconscious. He then lifts the Scarlet Spider's unconscious body and says, I have fulfilled my part of the bargain. Show yourselves, inheritors. In a conversation between Genix and Doc Ock, we learn the details of their bargain. Genix will feed on Ben Riley, gaining his knowledge, including how to finish repairing the clone vats. Doc Ock will then find another world for the Inheritors to claim, and they will spare ours. The Superior Spider-Man leaves as the Inheritors prepare to feed on Ben Riley. Back aboard the Leopardon, Spider-Man India and Octavia are having no success finding another way to travel between worlds. However, Miles explains that back on Earth-13, when analyzing the Enigma Force, he was able to send it a message. It appears the Force has a response, as it appears, and in a booming voice asks, Who dares summon the Enigma Force? Issue 5 begins at New You. While the Inheritors feed on Ben Riley, the Superior Spider-Man finds that PS4 Spider-Man has followed him here. They argue and PS4 Spider-Man angrily tells Doc Ock, You were starting to sound like my world's Otto, so I asked Miles about you. He told me everything, what you did to this world's Pete, stealing his body, his life. You're worse than my Otto ever dreamed of being. Then he hears the Scarlet Spider dying, and he says sadly, Oh no, Ben. As Genix feeds on Ben, he gains the knowledge he needs to fix the clone bats. As his life fades, Ben reflects on his past. He remembers starting as a clone of Peter Parker, living a life that wasn't his own, but eventually finding his place. He thought he was finished after sacrificing himself to save Peter, but then he was brought back, only to die 27 horrible deaths. He thinks to himself, after all that, here I am, dying again, but this time it's my choice. And this 28th death, this is a good one, because I'm not the only one with a pathological fear of death. As Genix feeds on Ben, he acquires not only the knowledge of cloning vat technology, but also the experience of dying over and over. He stops feeding and shouts as his mind breaks. No! No! I'm dying! Again and again! I'm dying! His brother comments. Hmm. Food poisoning. In a conversation between PS4 Spider-Man and Doc Ock, we learn that this was their plan all along. 
Ben knew that the only way they could stand a chance is if the inheritors are prevented from achieving clone technology. So Ben found a way to destroy Genix's mind, sacrificing himself in the process. The conversation between Doc Ock and Spider-Man is interrupted as they're attacked. Solus, having not fed since his return, tries to claim these kills when he is suddenly struck from behind by an energy blast from Miles Morales, now carrying the mantle of Captain Universe. Solus is not intimidated as he smiles and says, Yes, this, this is a feast fit for Lord Solus. I killed one like you before. And as he dives towards Miles, It was the finest meal I've ever had. Superior Spider-Man and Octavia temporarily leave the battle. Doc Ock hopes to resurrect Ben with the cloning technology. Near Ben's body, they find Spider-Woman alive. She shares the good news that Verna died on the radioactive planet. The superior Spider-Man explains that in working on the cloning technology, he has two objectives. Octavia asks him, You're resurrecting Ben? I applaud the sentiment, but there's no time. And if the battle isn't won, it won't matter. Doc Ock replies, Exactly. Which brings us to our second objective. From the start, our forces have been divided by the question of what to do with the inheritors. I advocated slaying them. Last time we imprisoned them instead and now suffer for it. But too many spiders disagree, can't overcome their naive morals, and our dissension weakens us while the inheritors fight as one. And so they are winning. But I have the answer, of course. Work with me, Octavia, and let us see what wonders we can accomplish. Even with the help of Captain Universe, the Inheritors are unambiguously winning the battle. Believing this may be the end, the older Peter and his crime-fighting partner Mary Jane share a moment together. She says she's glad their daughter, Annie Mae, isn't here and hopes she's safe. She says that she wishes she could hear her voice one last time as she and Peter share what may be their last kiss. Just then, when all hope seems lost, reinforcements arrive in the form of their daughter, Annie, or Spiderling, along with Anya Corazon, Spider-Girl, and Mayday Parker, Spider-Woman. From time to time, the web of life and destiny selects remarkable individuals to become great totems. Annie, the Spiderling, has been selected as the pattern maker, and with the help of a mystical spider scroll, transported her and the other girls to Earth-616. The battle rages on, and although they are stronger with so many of them, it is still not enough. The inheritors are too strong. Spider-Man India, Paviter, laments that they could have won if only they'd had the chance to recruit more of them. Suddenly, a portal opens, and their prayers are answered as the long-thought-dead Spider-Gwen emerges. It looks like she's been busy as a team of recruits follow her, including our Peter Parker and Spider-Cop. She managed to find her way back to this world with the help of a special spider necklace allowing for travel across dimensions. 
The rest of the gang are happy to see her, especially her close friends. Spider-Punk, who simply says, Gwen? And Miles, who exclaims, Gwen! It's really you? Not another Earth's version? Or a, a ghost or something? As Spider-Punk tightly hugs her, Gwen reassures them, It's me, although I do kind of like the sound of that. Ghost Spider. And with that, she has a new alias. Solus attacks Miles and accuses him of being weakened by emotions. Miles retorts that his friends inspire him and then combines the Enigma Force power with his Venom Strike to temporarily take down Solus. In a humorous exchange, another Spider-Man tells Miles, Whoa, that was amazing, Miles. Miles responds, Too bad it's not enough. Spider-Man asks if he can help, and Miles tells him, Solus is out of your weight class, and stop using my real name, okay? I don't know what kind of Mad Max dystopian world you're from, Spider-Man, taken aback, replies, Dystopia? It's me, your Spidey, or the other Spidey, or... Realizing that this is our Peter Parker of Earth-616, Miles excitedly responds, You made it! You stopped Morlin? Dude, you're a mess. Peter agrees and says, I'm very tired. Miles reassures Peter and sends him on his way. For real, I got this. Maybe go find Doc Ock, see if he needs anything. Peter heads towards the sciencey stuff, figuring that's where he'll find Doc Ock. By the cloning vats, Peter sees Ben, Doc Ock, and Octavia. When Peter offers his help, the superior Spider-Man explains that he'll need help getting the rest of the Spider-Army to follow his strategy. He figures they trust Peter Parker, so with his blessing they'll listen. Doc Ock fills Peter in on the plan. Then, Peter broadcasts a message over the comms. He tells the team to follow Doc Ock's lead. His first order is for Miles to break away from Solus. Miles accomplishes this by wielding the Leopardon sword and plunging it into Solus. The next order of business is for the entire Spider Army to attack the remaining Inheritors all at once. Later, the final stage of the plan is revealed. The Inheritors were evil because of the way they were raised by Solus, and because he implanted in them an insatiable thirst for life energy. As Peter puts it, they never really had a choice. We've got the opportunity, the responsibility to give them one. We had to take it. Then we learn that the Inheritors have had their consciousness transferred into newborn baby clones. They have no memory of their previous lives, and now they have a chance to start over, rise above their past crimes. The only question left is, who will raise them? Luckily, there is an Aunt May Spider-Woman who had been thinking about fostering children, so she's the perfect candidate. And with the battle complete, the Enigma Force leaves Miles, returning him to his normal state. The gang all say their goodbyes, but Mayday Parker, Spider-Woman, remembers something. Annie, Spiderling, was selected as the pattern maker. Typically, the web also selects an other, a spider totem imbued with enhanced powers and the ability to transform into a man-spider. Mayday remarks, 
but there was no other this time around. As Spiderling leaves to her homeworld, she turns and says, there's always an other. And before we can wonder who that other is, we are shown a glimpse of Earth 982, Spider-Gwen's homeworld. We see the dead Peter Parker of her world seemingly resurrected as his hand shoots up from the ground in front of his tombstone. Every spider totem returns to their respective homeworlds, leaving only the Earth 616 crew behind. They share a moment with Doc Ock, acknowledging his heroic actions and confirming he still has a clean slate. Miles and the Superior Spider-Man agree they'll each reach out to the other if they ever need help. Although Superior Spider-Man doesn't believe he'll ever need that help. As he puts it, I assure you, the Superior Spider-Man can deal with any threats that may arise, no matter from whence they come. And we are given a glimpse of Norman Osborn. He seems to be studying a fragment of the web of life and destiny. To what end, we don't yet know. And that wraps up Spider-Geddon. Thanks for listening to that. I hope you enjoyed it. And, you know, I think the format we're going to follow going forward with this podcast is we'll have a recap like that one. You know, typically they'll be shorter, one or two issues. You'll have an uninterrupted recap with some music behind it. We'll try to make it a little more exciting. And then afterwards, we'll have a brief discussion on the issue we read where we'll dive into theories, criticisms, what we enjoyed, what we didn't. I don't have Adam here with me today, but just to give you some brief thoughts on Spider-Geddon, I'll say that overall I enjoyed it. It was an entertaining read. The humor worked pretty well throughout all five issues. Um, But to be honest, there were a few things that I would point at as kind of critiques. You know, one of them is that I I just saw Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse a week or two ago, and that was a big, exciting movie. And maybe I went into Spider-Geddon with some expectations from that movie and that set the bar high, which I don't think the comic quite met. Specifically, it was a dark, it felt like a very dark comic. Uh, The Inheritors are evil, evil people. Of course, I get that. But you have a anthropomorphic pig running around. You have all these crazy versions of Spider-Man running around. But it feels like we spend a lot of time in these kind of small, dark places like Loom World, where you have an almost insect-looking person, uh, you know, watching over the web of life and destiny. You have some grotesque versions of Spider-Man, like the Norman Osborn version with six arms. Uh, My personal favorite, because it's terrifying, the version of Peter Parker comprised of thousands of spiders with a hive mind that only believe themselves to be Peter Parker. So there was good humor throughout the five issues, but it was, to me, overall, just too, too dark. Uh, You know, the situation is dire, but I would have loved to have seen more interaction between the different versions of Spider-Man and more humor to be mined from their interactions. I'll also say that it felt, for such a big event with so many characters, it felt somewhat small, like we were limited in scope to 
only a handful of locations. It almost felt like we were in the Leopardon, in that small enclosed space. Then we were in Loom World, a very small world. The story traverses the multiverse. So what I want to see is big. I want to see big stories uh, where we see different worlds and we see all these different characters colliding. It felt like the ingredients were there, but we were enclosed to these small spaces, these different universes. They looked different, but it all just felt it felt very small to me. And uh, just a couple other things. I, I kept hoping that we would have some acknowledgement of Spider-Man Noir and Spider-UK's deaths. In the moment when they died, it went by very fast, and I understand why. They were in the middle of a battle, but I never really saw a quiet moment later on where they mourned, and I would have liked to have seen that. I would have generally liked to have seen a little more heart to the story, and lastly, the conclusion to me felt a little bit rushed, and it was unclear to me what exactly was the linchpin that suddenly allowed the spider army to persevere? Was it simply that they had more of them? They just had so many spider people, they were able to overwhelm the inheritors. If that's the case, I don't find that very interesting. That's kind of a boring conclusion to it. And also, Miles takes out um, Solus, the father, by swinging... You know, the Japanese Spider-Man sword. It sort of felt to me, again, why couldn't he do that the entire time? So the conclusion of, whenever I see a battle like this, I want the good guys to really earn their win. In this case, it was there somewhat. There was a challenge in recruiting all the different versions of Spider-Man. But the answer, if the answer is just we had so many Spider-People, we won. It's a little bit of a boring conclusion to me. And... If transferring the consciousness of all the inheritors into into babies is kind of a clever solution to the problem of what to do with them. Um, but so, something about that just didn't sit quite right with me. It felt a little bit over-the-top ridiculous. And maybe I would have accepted that a little more if there was more lightness to the other issues. It's such a dark story, and then it has such a sort of ridiculous twist at the end. Or, not, not exactly a twist, but such a ridiculous conclusion. If we're going to make them babies again and give them another chance. So I know I sound pretty negative on the issues. And I think part of that is, again, because I went in setting the bar really high for what I wanted to get out of it. In matter of fact, I was entertained. It was a page turner. I wanted to see how it ended. I was riveted. I did enjoy the humor beats throughout. Um, but I was, uh, you know, hoping for something a little bit different. Anyway, with that, I hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you did, please go into iTunes, into the Apple Podcast app, and leave us a rating, leave a review if you have time, and you know, spread the good word. Check out Gil Reed's comics. You can also check out our YouTube channel, where anytime we put a recap in the podcast, nine times out of ten, we'll have a video up too, where we show images from the comic that go along with the recap. And uh, I think you'll enjoy those if you check them out. So thanks again. We'll be back with some normal episodes next week. You'll get to hear Adam's lovely voice again. I know you all miss him. I miss him. You know, I feel like he never hangs out with me anymore. You know, like I said, he's just just seems like he's too busy. But he'll be back. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Oh, Anna, of course. I'm Gil, and I read comics.